Okay, I know it's been a while since I've put out a podcast. Um, I definitely hear about it when I haven't done one for a while. Uh, unfortunately, I've been very busy, or maybe fortunately. I guess fortunately for me, but unfortunately for society, because that means a lot of people have died. Uh, February and March were probably my two busiest months, maybe, of my career. I know March certainly was. Um I did an, a completely insane amount of autopsies because uh, I cover multiple sites, and um, there were just a lot of a lot of cases, a lot of different kinds of cases. So um, uh, when I do that, I really don't have a ton of time to do, uh, you know, uh, podcasts and YouTube videos and things like that. Um, you know, I'll fire off a couple of TikTok uh, videos because they're easy. They take like 60 seconds. I don't even edit them, and then I upload them. So I found myself uh, today, even though I did work today, I found some time to record a podcast. So today we're going to do, it's a case study, but it's not necessarily a mystery diagnosis. Um, it's more explanatory uh, because I had a question on one of my uh, YouTube videos. And the questioner said, my daughter doesn't like to wear her seatbelt when she uh, drives. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, motor vehicle accidents or something like that, or the consequences of not wearing a seatbelt? So this podcast is going to be brief, is basically dealing with the unbelted um, driver. It actually doesn't have to be the driver. It could be the uh, the passenger as well. And first of all, I would say that I feel like I'm hearing this increasingly among the younger generation. And of course, when I say the term the younger generation, it makes me sound like I'm 90. Um, but I don't know how else to refer to it because I'm kind of in between, between the younger folks and the very, very old. Uh, I will say that if you uh, ever ride with older people, like 70, you know, 80, they hardly ever want to wear their seatbelt because they grew up not wearing a seatbelt. They didn't even know what that was like. And then you've got people my age who grew up at a time when it was beaten into your head. You have to wear a seatbelt uh, or else the cops are going to pull you over and give you a ticket and you're going to be in huge amount of trouble. Uh, which it really was never a huge amount of trouble, but police were pulling people over a lot when, at the time when I was getting my driver's license, you, you had to have your seatbelt on or they would pull you over just for that. So uh, I feel like my age group is conditioned to wear a seatbelt. I hardly ever see unbelted dead people uh, in car accidents that are my age, but I do see them in older folks and very young. So by very young, I'm talking like 16, 17, 19, 23, something like that. So I wanted to talk about what kind of injuries we see, because basically if you say wear your seatbelt, I mean, it's like telling somebody not to smoke or not to drink. People are going to do what they want. And so uh, I think it's because most people think they're a good driver. And if you ask anybody, are you a good driver? No matter how terrible they are at driving, they will probably say they are. Because everyone thinks that everyone else is a bad driver. The truth is, it doesn't really matter if you're a good or bad driver because a lot of accidents due to external factors such as 
um, animals running out into the road and people swerving or uh, weather conditions. So ice and snow, rain, darkness, things like that. So I don't really care if people are, they think they're a good driver because it, it doesn't matter. Also, a lot of the accidents I see, the driver of the, of the person I'm autopsying, who is the driver of another car, they will die despite doing all the right things. They basically got uh, somebody ran a red light or a stop sign and smashed into them going 60 or something like that. So I think the notion of I'm a good driver, therefore I don't need a seatbelt, is really not something that's uh, rooted in reality. It doesn't really matter how well you drive. So let's just talk about what happens with different kinds of collisions. First of all, you've got a situation where if you're unbelted, and that's going to increase your risk of being ejected from the vehicle. If you're ejected from the vehicle, your risk of living is extremely low. Now, it does happen, but uh, for the most part, when you're ejected, you're going to be ejected into something like we've had situations where there's been, you know, a body pulled out of a tree, um, ejected and hit a concrete pillar, ejected and hit a house, ejected and hit another car, or simply hitting the road. Um, and the other thing about being ejected is that sometimes people are ejected and the car will then roll over on top of them. So, uh, you know, at least by belting, you massively decrease your risk of being ejected from the vehicle. Now, in terms of the kinds of injuries that you see with, um, you know, any kind of motor vehicle accident, this is the one way that people die where you can see almost any kind of injury. And it's due to the fact that um, the kinetic energy and the forces involved are sometimes very high, the speeds are high, or uh, just, you know, the fact that people are uh, in multiple vehicle accidents, um, so you can have crush injuries, you can have uh, what we call um, sharp force injuries where people are impaled or cut. And then, of course, the most common cause of death is the blunt force trauma. And really, that's what I'm going to focus on today, because this person who asked, can you please talk about this? it made me think of the most common injury that you see. So we're not going to really talk much about ejections. We're going to talk about getting hit uh, unbelted in a car and the kind of the two most common things that I see, uh, both of which are essentially unsurvivable. Um, so I'll start with the, just some basics here. When you are in a car, okay, you this is where it, kind of some knowledge of... of relativity in some sense comes in. You are stationary with respect to the car. You're, you are going zero miles per hour, your body. But with respect to the road and the external environment, your body is moving at the speed of your car. So if you're going 60, your body is going 60. If you're going 100, your body's going 100. And if you're going 15, your body's going 15. So what happens is, is when the accident happens, uh, especially, let's just say, with a head-on impact or something like that. You are, um, at that point, moving at a, you know, a certain speed, and then your speed will um, decelerate to zero. Okay, And so the more rapid the deceleration, the more severe the forces. And the more severe the forces, 
the more severe the injuries. So the classically, um, you know, I'll see somebody who hits a tree. I'll see somebody who hits a concrete uh, pillar, something like that, or another vehicle that's coming into the lane. And if you're belted, you protect yourself from, for the most part, uh, let's just for the moment not talk about intrusion of the other vehicle into your vehicle. But let's just say you're hit and your body is not, um, it, if you're belted, it's protected for the most part from hitting the interior portions of the car. Uh, and of course, you know, airbags are a different uh, issue altogether. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into airbags, airbag injuries, but for the most part, most cars today have airbags, uh, which come out from the steering wheel or from the passenger side there, um, near the glove box. And then the, the kind that come down to protect your head against, uh, the side of the door. Okay. So in this case, uh, it doesn't always happen. Uh, I'm not saying that, um, they don't work. I'm saying that some vehicles simply don't have them. Some of the accidents I've seen. And if you hit your head hard enough, uh, it doesn't really matter. So in this case, um, let's imagine a, a force in your vehicle, um, which goes from left to right. So not, not head on collision, not collision from behind, not something that's going to move your body front or back, but to the side. So what I see uh, is usually what we call a T-bone. You'll hear uh, somebody say a, a truck T-boned a car or something like that. Um, police tend to use that term. Um, it's it's common knowledge. Basically, what you're saying is it's a perpendicular crash. So uh, there's one car or one vehicle, rather, um, at a right angle to the other vehicle and hitting it. And whether it's in the passenger side or the driver's side, um, you know, it's the same kind of force. And so often what I will see in that situation is I will see uh, the body be jarred uh, severely where the head will will hit into the, the side of the door, the window, that sort of thing, and will produce a skull fracture. Sometimes it doesn't produce a skull fracture, but it produces an intracranial bleed, okay? And I, I use that term generically because I'm... Uh, Basically, there's two main types here that you're going to see in this situation. One is the subdural hematoma, okay? So we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. You've seen me talk about it a lot on my social media stuff. But the brain is inside of kind of a little bag, and that bag is the meninges, the dura mater, is the outside, and the the way that the hemorrhage happens is uh, based on where it is in relation to the dura mater. So on the outside of the dura mater is an epidural hematoma, and underneath or on the inside next to the brain is a subdural hematoma. Now, the subdural hematoma is the most common because uh, this is due to the ripping of veins that go between your brain and the dura mater. And veins are very um, fragile, okay? They're not as hardy as arteries. And so when you have a uh, force applied to the side of the head like that, it can rip the veins and then that blood starts to leak out into the subdural space. And as that blood uh, collects, it can put pressure on your brain, pressure on your brainstem, um, you know, that sort of thing. And anytime you're putting pressure on the inside of your skull, it's bad because the skull can't expand. So all that blood collecting is going to compress the brain through the brains, uh, through the uh, foramen magnum, which is the hole in the bottom of the skull. Um, so subdural hematoma is one. Uh, 
epidural hematoma is not a typical injury that you see with a car accident because you need some survival time for it um, to develop. And by the way, when I said not a frequent injury to see uh, with a car accident, that's technically not true. What I mean is from the forensic autopsy perspective, because I'm seeing people that died in the car accident, usually at the scene. Epidural hematoma takes a little bit of time to develop because you have to have an impact in the perfect area on the side of the head where there is an artery called the middle meningeal artery, and that artery passes through uh, the temporal bone. And then if you fracture it in that area, the artery starts to leak blood, and it takes a little while for, for it to develop. So the classic scenario is, um, has what we call a lucid interval, which means the person is hit, and maybe they lose consciousness, maybe they don't. They feel good. They say, well, I got a little bit of a headache. I'm not doing too bad. And then sometime later, might be a half hour, it might be an hour, it might even be a little bit longer, then they'll suddenly collapse. And it's because the pressure is increasing inside of their skull due to that. Well, like I said, you have time to develop that. Well, people who are dying in car accidents at the scene, they don't have that time for the bleeding to occur. So we don't typically see epidurals. And then the other is a subarachnoid hemorrhage, okay? Subarachnoid hemorrhage is, again, the on the surface of the brain, you've got the arachnoid layer, uh, the pia mater, okay, and blood occurring under that and basically in between that and the brain tissue itself or within the brain tissue itself, subarachnoid hemorrhage. And these can be rapidly fatal as well for the same reason. Uh, so um, it seems simple, but just hitting your head it, like that and not even having a skull fracture, not even having a big open wound, ugly wound, uh, and you can die. I've seen that where people's head and face actually look really good and you open them up and the skull is full of blood. Okay. So that would be one. Uh, secondly, along with that, you can get, um, with a force applied to the side of the head like that, you can get what's called a hinge fracture. These are horrific fractures. Um, every now and then I'll show one on some of my social media. I probably need to do a trauma thing where I uh, talk a little bit more about trauma. But basically, a hinge fracture is when the force is applied uh, to you know whatever area of the head, and there is a crack in the area of the force that extends to the other side of the skull. And it could be the front, it could be the back or the side, it could be diagonal. And basically, it's like a fault line almost. It breaks open. And you can move one piece of the skull with respect to the other like a hinge. So that's why they call it a hinge fracture. Those are almost universally fatal. I've never heard of anybody surviving something like that. Um, they're horrific, okay? So these are injuries. Now, these are just the head injuries I usually see. Um, but when we have chest injuries, these are the ones that I'm really making this podcast for because we, the question was about unbelted people. And by the way, I know that some of you listen to my podcast while you're driving. You're probably in your car right now. I hope you're wearing your seatbelt. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So check, put your belt on if you're listening to me. Um, and anyway, so chest injuries are the big one. Okay. That's the big one for me when I see uh, car accidents for unbelted people. And I want you to picture a situation where a car is driving. It could be 50, 60, 70, 80. It doesn't matter. And you're not belted. Well, if that car loses control or hits into another vehicle, 
all the kinetic energy of that vehicle is now transmitted to your body. And your body is moving forward at that speed, especially with a rapid deceleration, like a head-on collision. So now your body, your entire body is moving 70 miles per hour. And usually what happens is the body will move into the steering column, the steering wheel. And when that happens, of course, you have a little bit of give in your chest uh, due to the ribs. Those ribs, though, will snap. Sometimes the sternum, the breastbone, will snap. And um, what happens is, is momentarily, as the chest itself is slowing down to zero, okay, the organs inside the chest are still moving forward. Now, I know that's a little bit hard to picture, but you have to understand this is occurring in milliseconds, and that's all it takes. And so as your chest has stopped moving, the organs in your chest continue to move forward. So I'm talking about the lungs. I'm talking about the heart. But also you have to consider the vessels, the blood vessels, and specifically the aorta. Okay, the aorta is the largest blood vessel in the body, and it arises uh, from, you know, the left ventricle pumps blood out into the aorta, and from there, blood goes to the rest of the body. Um, what happens is, is, and a lot of people don't know this, the aorta is kind of affixed to the spinal column in one area. It's a ligament, and it's called the ligamentum arteriosum, okay? And what happens is, is since everything else is not strongly fixed in place, it moves forward, but then at the area of that short, really tight ligament, it, it holds on, and that aorta will move, and it'll rip right there on the spot, okay, when it hits that steering column. And so this is not a survivable injury. When you rip your aorta, you've only got a, a little bit of time before it's over. And generally, that's not enough time for uh, EMS to get there, to get you out of the vehicle, to get you to the hospital. Um, when the aorta rips, now, uh, people who don't have anatomy, who don't have medical background are probably wondering, okay, well, how big is an aorta? Who cares? So let me tell you, an aorta is, uh, in most cases in an adult, it's about an inch in diameter, Okay. Uh, it can, some can be bigger, some can be smaller, but you have to picture a tube that's an inch in diameter, sometimes a little bit bigger. And now picture that ripping open and blood being pumped through it at high pressure from your heart. That blood is going to spill rapidly into the chest cavity, into the pericardial sac around the heart. And when you lose blood quickly from that area, you will lose consciousness and eventually you will die because the blood will fill into the chest cavity. Or in some cases, the rupture can be down lower in the abdominal cavity, and the abdominal portion of the aorta will be ripped, and the blood will fill the abdominal cavity. So you have to consider on an average size adult, there's about 4,500 milliliters of blood, about 4,500 milliliters or cc's, it's the same thing, of blood. And when you lose a third of that, 1,500 you that is definite by defined that is shock so hemorrhagic shock and if you lose 50 percent it's essentially non-survivable 
So aortal uh, injuries like that, um, smashing into the steering column because you're not belted in, can produce uh, that kind of uh, blood loss quickly. And so the most common way that I see people die with unbelted uh, injuries is, in fact, a tear of the aorta in the area of the ligamentum arteriosum, which is um, kind of near the, um, the, you know, the aortic arch comes up and then curves down. It's kind of when it's curving down there. So this is what I want you to picture when it comes to driving vehicles um, without the seatbelt. I know I seem like I'm shaming people, but I'm not really shaming people. I just don't think people understand how easy it is to die in a car accident. Um, I have seen uh, a lot more car accidents this year than in the previous uh, probably year before that. I mean, I just feel like every week I'm getting these cases that are basically preventable. And I'm not saying that there's a lot of people who aren't wearing seatbelts, um, because certainly you can die in a car accident if you're wearing a seatbelt. There's no question about that, particularly if there is intrusion of the one vehicle into your vehicle. Sometimes there's just no way out. You're done. But it's a game of odds. You know what I mean? It's a game of risk. So in life, you if you want to live, you want to do things that maximize your chance of survival. And I think that wearing a seatbelt is a pretty simple thing that really doesn't produce much discomfort. And the trade-off is that you might survive a car accident that you would otherwise die in. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who aren't good drivers, but... Uh, you have to understand that most people do think that they are good drivers. So nobody has that self-awareness to say, you know what, I'm really not a good driver. I think I'm going to put my belt on today. Um, so if you know people who aren't wearing their seatbelt, uh, you might want to encourage them to, <laughs> to pick that practice back up. I personally cannot get into a car without belting it. And it's not even because of what I've seen at my job. It's just like I said, I grew up in a time when basically it was worse than worshiping Satan. Like if you didn't have your, and by the way, I'm not bashing uh, the, the many Satan worshipers who listen to this podcast. I'm saying you have to understand when you grow up in the eighties, there was, Satan was everywhere. You were, um, you've heard of the satanic panic. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, uh, you, you had to wear your seatbelt. I never considered not wearing my seatbelt. Um, but again, I've noticed a rise in younger people. So you may want to, uh, kind of, you know, step off on that because, uh, you're, you're really may only have a half of a second to react in an accident and particularly in poor weather conditions, darkness, um, other people. And the thing is, it's not even, I want to say one more thing. It's not even about bad drivers. I have had a number of cases where the other vehicle lost control because of a medical issue. A person had a cardiac arrhythmia. Um, I had one with a seizure disorder where a person had a seizure while they were driving, drove into the other lane and hit somebody and that person died. So you may be going perfectly along, but you have to keep an eye on that other lane. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's a game of risk. It's better to just wear the seatbelt. I don't know really how it really improves comfort, but then again, like I said, I've been conditioned since I was very, very young. And and I have to tell you, it's not that my parents really conditioned me because my dad right now, he is uh, in his late 70s, and I have to remind him every single time we get in to put on the seatbelt uh, when he's in my car. 
And, and I mean, it's been years, it's been dozens of years, and I still have to remind him to put his seatbelt on because he grew up in a time when you did not have a seatbelt uh, to wear. But uh, anyway, this is basically what I wanted to say. Um, I d- I could, if I did a podcast on all the injuries that you can get with motor vehicle accidents, it would be like a five-hour podcast. So we're not going to do that. I just wanted to make this one in response to the question that I got on YouTube. So bottom line, head injuries are really easy to get. Ejection from vehicle is a horrific uh, scenario, which you will not survive. And crushing injuries to the chest due to... Um, uh, sudden deceleration and the body transferring its kinetic energy into your body onto the steering wheel. Uh, so please be careful if you're driving. It's uh, it's really kind of a uh, a lot of death that is preventable. And so um, anyway, thanks for listening. I really don't have much else to say. If you have any questions, uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, my YouTube is Knife After Death, just like this podcast. And I think it's showing up on YouTube now. Uh, it's not a video. We're not doing video podcasts here yet, but the audio is there. Knife After Death, a website. Um, and then, of course, my TikTok, The Dead Letter, and Instagram, Anatomy and the Dead, okay? All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll be back sooner than later.